Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study, the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and today is Thursday, May 11th, 2017. And today we are reading in the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We will be starting our reading on the bottom of page 38, the third paragraph that starts, some of you are thinking, two paragraphs will be read. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Wendy M., the 12 Traditions, Sherry K.B., and our text readers are Marie J., Lynn D., and Mary B. is our backup, and our newcomer greeter is Melanie. The reference number or share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, May 10th, 2017, the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 9925 and 9926. Apparently a little glitch there. And the share ID for this morning, Thursday, May 11th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9929. Oh, a preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Out of Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Wendy M. to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Yes, good morning. It's Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, thank I'll you, pass. Wendy M. <laughs> thank you, Wendy mm-hmm. M. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 traditions of OA for us, please. Good morning, Monica. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and the and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 38. We will be beginning with the third paragraph on page 38. Some of you are thinking. Two paragraphs will be read. We'll be ending with, let us take another illustration on page 39. And with that, I am going to ask Marie J. to please begin reading for us. 
Thank you, Monica. This is Marie J, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We've not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to, thanks for the information. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, through drink, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Um, oh, this is just such a loaded paragraph. There were so many areas I could talk about, but I'm going to talk about, um, I, I also thought too in the beginning that I had not gone to the extremes you people had, but it was only after I got totally abstinent. And it took me a while because I didn't really understand total abstinence. I thought I was abstinent for my first three years or two and a half years. And when I got totally abstinent and really worked the steps and lived in 10, 10 through 12 while I, and, and, and sponsoring now and all of that, you know, it's been a year since I've been in, in vision and doing these things and more and more clarity of my denial came to me and how deep my denial runs. And what I learned was that the food turned out to be the least of my issues about what I was in denial about. You know, I denied, I denied that my behaviors in my world, in my life, had anything to do with my addiction. And as an example, my five-year-old child, before I started a program, was terrified of me. I, I was unpredictable. My behavior was never predictable. I was never safe. He was always guarded and afraid and, you know, never knew. Was I going to walk in and rage at my husband and scream at him and, you know, just be a total nightmare in terms of my behavior, trying to get what I wanted all the time. And I knew that, you know, I could moderate some things. I had a good job. We had a good home. My husband and my children were afraid of me, though, and I was not safe, and I was self-righteous, and I could, I could just split you open with any kind of articulation of your shortcomings. No one could win a fight with me. So they just stopped trying, and they just lived in fear, and I was under the illusion that I had not gone to the extremes that you fellows had. I just needed to lose a little weight. And I had tons of self-knowledge. I was the queen of self-help books. I could teach self-help courses. But we cannot recover on the basis of self-knowledge. We have to do the work. We have to be in these steps. And right now, if I don't live in 10, 11, and 12 every single day, if I'm not on these calls, if I'm not working this like my life does depend on it, I will revert back to that. And I thank God every day I am a safe person to be with. My children are, and I'm going to be emotional about this, my children adore me. They run into my arms. They jump into my laps. They're 10 years old, and they can't wait to be with their mother. And without this program, I would never have experienced this life that I'm living today three and a half years later. I am totally abandoned to this program, and my life still has stuff. It still comes up. Stuff comes up, but there's a simple way 
to resolve it. And it's in this book, it's in these steps, and it's in fully abandoning myself to God in this program. And that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Marie J. And for those that just came on, we are sharing comments on the last paragraph on page 38 and the first paragraph on page 39. And who would like to share? Elaine B. Elaine. Sue G. Sue. Charles D. Charles D. Isn't dog? That's right. Judy T. Judy. Judy T. Like Paul. Okay, P like Paul, gotcha. Thank you. Terry H. Anybody else? Right, say that Terry again, H. please. Terry H. Terry? Yeah. Terry, okay. Terry H. All right, anybody else? Lynn G. Lynn? Okay, this is what I've got right now. I've got Elaine B., Sue G., Charles D., Judy P., Terry H., and Lynn D. So Elaine B., you're up, and then it'll be Sue G. Thanks so much for your service, Monica. I appreciate it. And thank you again, God, for this reading, this big book, um, and uh, and the previous share, which was great. I could totally identify in. I, too... Uh, Three and a half years ago, managed to, or a little more than that, managed to work these steps. Um, but what it required was the desperation of a dying man. Though this book had been in my hand and I had read it and I had been around compulsive overeaters for quite some time, um, you know, I thought I knew. <laughs> I thought I could handle this thing. I thought my efforts towards working the steps weren't really working. And so, Maybe I can try something else, and then I'll try something else, and I'll try something sweeter, and then I'll try a little more, and I'll try to see if I can stop, and then I can't, but that's okay. I'll just keep doing this. Until the the, uh, disease, cunning, baffling, and powerful as it is, dragged me out of the room. It dragged me right out, and I was convinced. I was convinced that no longer that I was, that I have this thing that I was absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. All I learned about food plans, all I learned about the tools, all I learned about writing, all I learned about, um, you know, making three phone calls a day, all I learned, all of those things, absolutely not enough. I needed divine intervention, even though I had a power greater than myself that I really trusted and relied on. I needed to supersize by God. The, the permission to say, you know, come up with a God of your own understanding allowed me to say, you know what, God has been big enough for me to do things in the past, but my, the God of my understanding has not been big enough for me to put down this food. And so I need to try a better way. And I needed the desperation of a dying man to once again grab hold of these steps one at a time. Thank God for vision for you because I learned to un- unpack this you know, one page at a time, I got connected with a sponsor who was able to bring me through the steps, what I consider quickly, you know, in about three months, um, I was able to start working with others, and my life has changed since then. It's absolutely changed. You know, the obsession um, with the food is relieved one day at a time if I do the work, and when food starts jumping up, you know, 
I know what to do with it now. I recoil this from a hot flame, but it's also an indication to me that something else is going on. Something is eating me. It's not about what I'm eating. And now I have the tools to design for living that I can show up for life successfully. And page 100 promises that when we do put things in God's hands and continue this path of spiritual progress, the things which come to us are better than anything that we could have come up with ourselves. That's been true of me. It's been, it can be true for you. And I'm sure it's the experience of many people on this line. We're going to hear more. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Sue G., you're up, and then it'll be Charles D. Sue G., we're not hearing you. Star one, to unmute. I'm sorry. I thought I already was. Okay. I'm sorry. I shut over. This is Sue G. from Michigan. I recovered by the grace of God. My story is a little bit different because I had lost. I mean, I was still in my marriage, but I had lost. Um, I did not have a, a good relationship with either my small children or my husband. And, of course, it was all their fault. And... um it was my fault because I walked into this marriage thinking things would change, but I didn't eat. I didn't eat for a long time, it was 10 years before I started eating when I just couldn't take any more. And, but I, I never, I, I've been in programs since 1991 and never, ever was taught 10 to 12. Uh, oh, I was given a sheet of paper and said, do these, at that point, it was 10-step review that night. And I didn't have to report them in. I didn't have to do anything. I, I didn't wasn't told to do 11-step in the morning. I mean, I was completely in the dark as far as working uh, the steps. I, I did everything else but 10 through 12 because I wasn't taught it. We read it, and I wasn't taught it. Um, but... I lost that train of thought now. Um, I also did not think, well, I had never um, gone through what what these people went through. I didn't lose a job. I didn't lose, I wasn't working to lose a job. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't lose things. I had good relationships outside my home. And, um, I was pretty happy other than other than you know my inside my home, but I could not stop once I started eating. There was no way um, on self knowledge I had like the one girl said i I had all these self help books I had all the the any any books that I could get hold of when I didn't have a sponsor i had I worked books that were on twelve steps uh whether no matter what disease uh, it was, and I continued working until I found a face-to-face meeting, and then I found, eventually found, vision, and it was through uh, the vision meetings that I finally learned about ten through twelve, and now I'm sponsoring, and um, and when I'm not sponsoring, when I'm through working with somebody and I'm not really working with somebody, I feel very empty. Um, I feel that, you know, I know that I need to be working with somebody. And um, 
I guess that's enough of rambling, so I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Suji. Charles D., you're up, and then it'll be Judy P. Yes, hi, this is Charles D., uh, recovered from Oregon. Uh, I am very happy to be here this morning. I um, I had a um, overeating dream when I woke up this morning, so I know that my mind is still very uh, compulsive and um, influenced by my disease. Uh, and I also woke up with a lot of um, distress and anxiety about um, the things that I need to do today. And so I I knew I, I needed to, to do something to correct myself. So I, I spent some time uh, meditating and seemed to be uh, connected again to my higher power. Um, but I, I've spent um, the majority of my life struggling with food and watching my disease um, take greater amounts of uh, my life away from me um, until I um, just a, about two years ago, I started to come to OA and, and to uh, work the program. And um, I also uh, know that uh, my self-knowledge of me um, doing everything I can with my own willpower to overcome this disease for 45 years uh, failed over and over again, even though um, that was all that I turned to. I just believed I just had to keep trying. And um, finally, um, it became clear to me if I was really honest with myself and I feel like my higher power was was what really putting the mirror in front of me and saying, look, what's really happening. And so I um, fortunately um, committed myself to really um, giving myself to the uh, to working the program. I, I had been around 12 steps for a while, but always was pretty much of an outsider because I never I never gave it what it what it really needs for me to uh, find in any kind of recovery. And I, I just thought that the that the 12 steps didn't really work. I I was convinced of it, but um, uh, again. My higher power, I think, woke me up to saying that I must, I must give myself completely to this program, and and now I I feel like for the first time in my life I'm I'm abstinent, and it's a, a whole another world having a higher power and having recovery um, supporting me. So I'm I'm grateful that I've woke up from just depending on self knowledge and and now depending Time. on uh, my higher power. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charles D. And gentle reminder, we are taking shares on the last paragraph on page 38 and the first paragraph on page 39. And Judy P., you're up, and then it'll be Terry H. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for your service. Judy P., compulsive overeater from Central New Jersey. And, you know, I love the piece on self-knowledge, and, uh, you know, for me, I was always a compulsive overeater since I was young. I don't remember not being one, and, um, you know, so I lost so much from the beginning, 
And um, it was a lifetime of dieting, uh, starting with diet camp at age seven for two months and going every summer for nine years. And, you know, the dieting cycle was just bred in me. And I probably bottomed out in my early 20s. And I used to say I had agoraphobia, but the truth was I stopped going out of the house for two years because of how morbidly obese I was. But, you know, it wasn't enough to let me put down the food. I went on a diet during that time and lost enough weight to go out again. But um, but it wasn't enough. And, I mean, how much more self-knowledge could I possibly need that I was I was a prisoner in my bedroom. And, you know, I used to watch the kids walk to school and cry. I was in my early 20s wondering if that would ever be me again walking on the street. Uh, And so when I came in before I was 30, right before I turned 30, I had the most amazing recovery, huge spiritual awakening. Uh, But, you know, um, I thought I was normal because I got down to a normal body size. And... um, And so that self-knowledge, when I went back out, you know, the self-knowledge of what the food was going to do to me was lost. Pride and ego took over. And um, God blessed me with a second recovery, which I turned my back on. And by a miracle, I have four and a half years. And I knew, I knew this recovery had to be different because obviously something was flawed in my prior two that I had such bad relapses. But, um, you know, I have such a deep gratitude for Overeaters Anonymous. I love OA. I'm grateful that I am blessed to go to -to face-to-face meetings in my area where I live. It's like I do have a hunger for OA. And as one of my favorite AA speakers shares, you know, he doesn't fit A into his life. It is his life. And I need to be fully grounded in this program every day because I know who I am. I know my true colors. There is no illusion that I don't care if I have 40 and a half years, I can go right back out. And uh, once again, thanks for your service, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judy P. Terry H., it's your turn, and then it'll be Lynn D. Hi, thanks, everyone. My name is Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Grateful for today. Um, The actual or potential compulsive overeater will be absolutely unable to stop binging, purging, and restricting on the basis of self-knowledge. This is my sentence for me. Um, I definitely identify with the jaywalker. Over and over, I gauged in behaviors, binging, purging, restricting, chasing some effect I thought these behaviors would give me. Um, I could not stop after just one more time. Um, The many hundreds and thousands of times I believed I could, um, the frothy emotional appeals, um, the minute, the minute the feeding tube was taken out of me and I I was at discharge from the hospital, I was back at it again. I was healthier, I was smarter, and I believed, you know, I had the self-knowledge to control it, to beat it, to um, stop, but I couldn't. I couldn't control it. Um, I was educated about my health, and I knew if I continued, I would die eventually, and I continued. I continued chasing that effect, that illusion that I thought I was going to get and catch. Um, I was never, ever able to control it. 
I kept compulsive eating. I kept purging. I kept restricting for many, many years. And the knowledge was no mental defense against my disease. Um, I was powerless. Um, I came to the point where I was desperate. I wanted to live. I surrendered. You know, I worked the steps. I worked the program. I worked the steps. And I surrendered over and over again, you know, um, in all areas um, of what I thought I knew of my disease. Um, I'm still learning, most definitely. You know, having a spiritual awakening with my higher power and just that connection, surrendering to uh, God every day. And what I'm learning today is the trusting part and turning that piece over and trusting and trusting that God knows exactly what I need for today. And, and that's not always easy, most definitely. Sometimes my disease will um, send a little whisper in my ear or creep up on me. But, you know, if I'm expanding my spiritual experience and working those 12 steps every day and um, sharing, you know, my experience, strength, and hope with others, then that's one more day that my disease is is dormant, most definitely. And I'm really grateful for today um, and being alive today. And thanks, I pass. Thank you so much, Terry H. Lindy, it's your turn. Good morning. This is Lindy from Colorado. Um, all of these paragraphs are so important. Um, to, to have it smashed home, that self-knowledge isn't going to cut it for the real alcoholic. Um, I, I, when I found out about OA, I had really given up trying to stop eating, trying to be nice to my family. I had just given up. I had been in therapy several years, and I, I just got the, my therapist was great. She got through to me that I was selfish that I was running a show in my family, and my family couldn't stand me. And all I did was eat more chocolate. I didn't know how to change it, and I couldn't change it. I couldn't keep the food down. Some, a friend of mine told me, away, go, you'd love it. I did love it. Um, they, they spoke the truth. Um, but, I, you know, that was a really great place to be when I came into OA to have given up because I was willing to do anything for a slight hope of having a better life. I didn't think I could ever be a normal weight. Um, so I got a sponsor. I was honest with her. And I focused on having a personal relationship with a higher power in order to work these steps. I, I would visualize what the higher power looked like. I would talk to the higher power. I would pray the best I could. I put all my focus on working my steps, and I did put my alcoholic foods down. Thank you, God. It was so hard, but I did it. It was miserable eating that candy. It wasn't tasting good anymore. Um, and I could really, you know, when I was in therapy, I could really see I was the problem. But I, I couldn't get out of that. So thank you, God, for OA. Um, you know, my weight was going way up. I was scared to death. <clears throat> working these steps, the weight went. It just melted off of me, and I wondered how it was happening. I I was just so 
so connected with a higher power and they thought it was like magic. Um, but I've, I've heard so many people over the years um, go back out into the disease, leave away, leave the steps, think they had better ideas after a while. Um, and it scared me. And I tell you, this disease, if I think I'm a match for this disease, I am going to be sorely disappointed and, and in torment if I think I can handle this disease by myself. I cannot. I have to have a higher power. And today I do, and life is a joy. Um, so there's hope for anybody if there's hope for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lindy. And we are on the bottom of page 38, the last paragraph on 38, and the first paragraph on 39. And who else would like to share this morning? Jody, Kathleen O. Katia. Red, Reggie O. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I think I maybe got two names. Was there a Jolene? Jody. Jody. All right. Jody. Reggie O. That's it. Okay. Now, Perry KB. Want to try again? Terry KB. Terry. Deborah P. O. Deborah P. And I heard somebody O. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. All right. Anybody else? Patty S. Okay. Say that again, P. please. Say it again, Patty please. S. Tadia? Patty F. Oh, Patty. F is in Frank? Yep. All right, this is what we've got. Jody, you have to tell me your last initial. Reggie O, Sherry KB, Deborah P, Kathleen O, and Patty F. All right, Jody, it's your turn. Thank you, Monica. This is Jody EQ, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and bulimic in California. So the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. I didn't hear that in my first years in OA. So I continued to try to become more self-knowledgeable by going to therapy And by going to nutrition school, I actually became a certified nutrition consultant, hoping that I would understand my disease better and thereby recover. But I can remember driving home from class one night and binging, stopping at a place and binging on pizza. (laughs) So clearly, self-knowledge. I've also gone to... um, Uh, a place called the Optimum Health Institute in San Diego, which is a great place. It's wonderful. People recover from all kinds of diseases there. It's a raw food vegan place where people go to cleanse and get better from cancer and all sorts of things. And uh, also tried eating raw and going to therapy, all of this stuff, and including my step work for many years. It was trying to understand myself and my disease better. And not that that was bad, but um, none of that is the solution. I know that I can't handle sugar. I can't handle flour. I can't handle caffeine. 
and I know they're not good for me, but I cannot abstain from them without a spiritual program of action. Self-knowledge avails me nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm just that much more miserable because I'm doing what I know I should not be doing. So thank you, God, for these 12 steps, and thank you for the big book, which clearly shows me and tells me how to work these 12 steps and to continue to work them on a daily basis. That does seem to be the solution that I need. It's keeping me abstinent happily, sanely, and and gratefully. And I'm able to carry this message to others for which I'm truly grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. Reggie O, it's your turn, and then it'll be Sherry KP. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning and everybody that shared. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm realizing this morning is just the power of reading and studying this book in a community. And, you know, it's, I, I can read it and study it on my own, and that's powerful. And I can read it and study it with another person, and that's powerful. And then I can read it and study it, you know, in this community. And uh, you know, and I, I think I think all three of those just seem to be need, need to seem seem to be uh, what I need. And I don't know, a lot comes to my mind listening to people this morning. I um, uh, a couple of things. One, I I was thinking of this. Uh, I've done a lot of things too, I, I, nutritional things to try to you know rectify or heal this this ease of compulsive overeating. I've done studied, oh my gosh, the fortune I've spent in self-help books, and I even uh, trained, you know, uh, professionally in a clinical program, and none of those, not a single one of the, an insight, insight galore, insight galore, um, and not a single one of those things uh, took the compulsion away, and I was thinking of this one woman I had when I was in an internship and she was she was alcoholic and she was in for something else and I used to listen to her and it would be it would be kind of strange and over it was it was hard to listen to her but what I learned over what I got over time is that what was challenging was that her her thinking was really distorted but she was so convinced that she was right about everything that she spoke about that she was very convincing and so I would believe her but know that something was off. And then this morning I was thinking about it. So that's, you know, that's what my my compulsive addictive, you know, mind and disease has done uh done 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 to me, I suppose, uh, throughout these years in, in addiction, and that is being so certain and so assured and so, you know, learned in some respects about nutrition and about the way the mind works and things like that, that I could thought I could convince myself and uh, and other people, which I did, even even other food addicts, you know, but it never, um, but it wasn't the truth. It wasn't my truth. And I, and then the other thing I thought this morning was that the story we read before about Jim, suddenly the thought crossed my mind to put, um, uh, I could do alcohol and whiskey in my milk. And, but you know, the God, I needed a God big enough. I needed a God big enough and and continue to need a God big enough to completely surrender my life and abandon my life to is this book, that word, I love that word so many times it's mentioned in the book, abandon my life utterly. Uh, and so, but 
in, in August of this past year, suddenly the thought crossed my mind to uh, listen to vision meetings. And that was the godsend to me. You know, that I didn't think that thought on my own. That was, that was a spiritual thought, a spiritual idea that came into my mind. It was perfect for, for what I needed. And this morning, it reminded me that my God is always there with the spiritual idea, with the spiritual thought, with the hand, with a better solution, a better idea than anything I could ever dream of. And I'm grateful for that today. And uh, Grateful to uh, have this community to read and study and, um, and 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 heal with. So thanks so much. Thank you, Reggio. Sherry KB, it's your turn, and then it'll be Deborah P. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful recovery compulsive reader, and so grateful to be on this line today. Thanks, Monica, for your service and for everybody that shared. Um, what keeps coming up for me is knowledge availed me nothing. I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing knowledge was power. Um, and so I thought I had all power because I had knowledge. And, you know, according to this, knowledge availed me nothing. Um, that, you know, my self-knowledge is what got me into trouble a lot in this program, uh, thinking I knew better than you did. Or comparing, comparing myself to you that I'm not as bad as you, so I'm okay. Um, my disease would like to tell me that I don't have a disease and that it's not as bad as everyone else's, um, which is totally insanity. And then, you know, I noticed here on page 39 in this top paragraph that it says, the actual or potential alcoholic with hardly an exception will absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And that they emphasize this point, we emphasize it over and over again because, you know, they don't... they. They've written this book so um, cleverly and to get, you know, to remind us, to remind me constantly because I have to be reminded constantly because my, I do have a built-in forgetter, as a lot of people have said on this line. And, you know, I, I forgot how much it says up here, too, about the brains and the bodies have been damaged as ours were. And, you know, I, I've done so much damage to my body, although it has been forgiving um, I don't have um, some of the illnesses people have had. I have not had to be on medication. But the damage I have done to my body by the amount of food I've shoved into it and just unbelievable, unbelievable when I think about it, when I look at it that way, instead of looking at, no, I'm not on this pill, I'm not doing that pill, I didn't have to do this, I didn't have to do that, but I need to look at what I did do. Um, instead of saying it's not that bad, I need to just do my own inventory about what I put my own body through, let alone with my thinking, you know, that I, I knew better, that I, I had this down packed and I knew what to do and I didn't need you. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing. That was my famous line. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and it was a sarcastic way of get off my back and leave me alone. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I need help. I need help here. And the only help I'm going to get is through a power greater than myself and through working these steps. And, I have to have it smashed home every day that I am a compulsive overeater and that I need to be in this book. I need to be reading this book. I need to be living the steps, working the steps, working with you, working with others. That's what I need to stay out of my disease And because I can't do this alone. And one day at a time, I will be on this phone bridge for one day at a time for the rest of my life and that out of pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sherry KB. Deborah P., it's your turn, and then it will be Kathleen O., Okay, this is Deborah P. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, Deborah P., compulsive overeater. It's great to be here. It's nice to hear. I'm getting to know the names now, so I, I'm starting to sort of see the personalities, and I feel like I'm part of the group. I just learned about this group, um, I don't know, a few months ago. So, yes, I mean, this part about, um, well, we didn't really think we were that bad. You know, you hear about people that are in the gutter and um, at least with alcoholism, it's like, yeah, well, I'm not that bad. And, you know, I, I have never been extremely overweight. I've probably been up maybe 20 pounds and I currently am at a normal weight. So I'm sure, you know, that's part of why I just think, well, I've got this, I can do this, but and I also, I'm not bulimic. I mean, I, I experimented with that when I was maybe 16, 17 years old, but I basically, my pattern has just been to completely binge out and then, you know, and then eat well and then binge out and eat well and then binge out. And so, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I'm a compulsive overeater and I just, I don't know why, I don't know why this just never like sinks in, you know, it's just, it helps to hear people saying it over and over, like just listening to the same exact problems that I have that I just I know that I'm a compulsive overeater but um but yeah so so anyways I I've just I'm not exactly sure what my point is but I'm just it's that part is starting to sink in the more I listen to these meetings and um and I'm just very grateful to be here thank you with that I pass thank you Deborah P Kathleen O it's your turn and then it'll be Patty F Good morning. Thank you for your service this morning, Monica. This is Kathleen O, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader in California. And, you know, I am just so grateful to Vision. I, I spent years reading this big book and never quite got it. And I just feel like Vision is having the best of tutors to solve math, which I always had trouble with. <laughs> And finally being able to get it and get these aha moments, it's just, it's so amazing. Um, you know, I had, I had so much self-knowledge. I read books. I did all that stuff too. And the frothy emotion appeal, it availed me nothing, not a nil, not a thing. Um, for we understand ourselves so well that such things can happen again. Thanks for the information. So really, selfish and self-seeking that, that we believe is the root of our problem, and that was the root of my problem. I thought I knew it all. And, you know, this, I, I also love the sentence, this is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home. And there's that word smash again. The idea that somehow, someday, I will be like a normal eater must be smashed. This is about the thinking that precedes the first bite, that mental twist that despite the pain and the consequences, my pain has no memory, and I pick up again for that ease and comfort. And I, I realized, you know, in working these steps, um, you know, I've heard that the term, um, I've heard in, the, in these, um, on these phone calls, the buildup of human emotions. I don't even need to build up the emotions. I just need to have one emotion, fear, resentment, anger, um, and I've learned that when just one little emotion comes up, I have 
a choice. I can choose door number one in the food for the ease and comfort that's going to come at once, or I can choose door number two, which is my higher power in these steps. There's just no middle of the road. And I'm, I finally, you know, coming to terms with the fact there's no middle of the road for this disease. There is do no door number three. Um, you know, we're, we're basically being asked to identify in, you know, can I relate to, to Bill and his story, you know, on again, off again. Can I relate to the doctor's op opinion, you know? Can I stop once I start? And when I do stop, can I stay stopped? Can I relate to Jim and putting a little whiskey in his in his milk and the jaywalker who plays Russian roulette with his wife by with his life by running through traffic. So you know my life depends on working these steps and staying connected to higher power. Um, I no longer have to fight the food and and being neutral around the food is an absolute miracle. And not fighting anyone or anything is truly a gift of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. And Patty F., we've, you've got two minutes. Go for it. Patty, star one to unmute. We're not hearing you. Hi, this is Patty. Now I hear you. Go ahead. Hi. Um, yes, I have two minutes. I just um, want to say ditto to everybody. I you know, been to Omega in San Diego and several self-help libraries. I think I had Sugar Blues maybe four different times and got rid of it. But um, I love when, because I've been in the good book like many of you all for so many years, I, I love when examples are given around it because it almost feels like where I need to use the dictionary to change, to like really know what self-knowledge is. But um, I recently had uh, an issue with major depression that I've never had before and found out that I had uh, hypothyroidism and I need to get my TSH and T3 checked and, you know, get on um, thyroid medication. And I do that. I do that. I found out. I got the knowledge and now I do that. And I knew I had an eating disorder and an addiction, a food addiction since I was a little kid and I even admitted it. I admitted it. I've been to rehab at the Willow in Florida. But um, I never wanted to give up my drugs. I never wanted to do what it took. I was willing to give up, give up drugs and alcohol, but food was my original from a little kid. And that's the bottom line. I didn't want to give it up. And no matter how many index cards that I keep in my wallet around the knowledge and all the tactics it doesn't matter and um just really everything that you've all been saying and this is such a miracle this vision program i want to just thank everybody and thank okay. you so much patty f and thank you to everyone who has shared we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer and Lindy, would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I sure will. Thank you, Monica. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.